If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Hey, welcome back to the One Voice Podcast. I have Mary with me as always. Hello. And we also have a, we have another <laughs> guest who'll be joining us in a little bit. But as I mentioned last One Voice podcast, something that's really been heavy on my heart is just obviously this pandemic is impacting a lot of us in, in ways that we couldn't have imagined nor could we have really prepared for. But as I've been doing a lot of reading, probably more than my self-care should allow for, <laughs> but reading just, you know, the studies. Studies have always shown that during natural disasters and in conflict zones and things, the prevalence of sexual violence increases. It's just, it's always been that way. And as I mentioned on the last podcast, I've just been thinking so much of those of you who are living in abusive situations, those who are seeking therapy and struggling to get the support that you need. I mean, there's so many levels of things that have changed, but those are the ones that have really impacted me the most as I think, as I, as I pray about those who listen to our podcast, who've followed me, Mary, for years. Um, it's a hard time for a lot of us, but the quarantine poses extremely dangerous risks to those who are forced to stay at home all day with an abuser. And that is just, it's so hard for me to think about that, but we have to think about hard things, right? We can't just pretend they're not there. And many of you, Mary and myself can relate to the many children that are living through this pandemic in a home that has never been safe. You know, I, I lived in a home that was never safe for me. There were times it felt safe. There were times it was safe. But in general, I was living with someone who was sexually abusing me for 10 years of my childhood. So it was not a safe haven. I got to go to school. You know, I got to get away. I had after school activities. I had things going on on the weekends. I would go visit my dad's. I would go to my grandma. So there were always places for me to get away. We lived on seven acres at my mom's. We lived on a hundred acres at my dad's. So there was always outdoors. You know, mm -hmm. I had a pet. I would take my dog out. There's always a way to get away. But the last few weeks, the sexual assault hotline saw minors account for the majority of its online guests for the first time in history. So it just showed me, you know, just the impact that this is having on children that they usually wouldn't know how to even make a report or how to reach out for help, but they're figuring it out. They're finding your way online to be able to reach out for help. And um, so RAIN, who is the National Sexual Assault Hotline and the largest anti-sexual violence organization in our country, they reported that 67% of their callers identified their perpetrator as a family member. And 79% said they were living with that person. Wow. So I know, right? Yeah. It's just, it's deeply impacting kids. And 
the mandated reports have gone down, you know, because a lot of times it's the teachers, it's the mentors, it's the safe people that are outside the home that are looking out for kids. They're normally their voice. They're the ones making a report. Um, They're no longer able to interact with these kids. So these kids are having to make the reports on their own. Meanwhile, we have screen time is up like 50% I've heard Mm -hmm. for kids who are at home during quarantine making them, which immediately to me, I don't think about, oh, you know, kids are on their screens again. To me, it's like, oh no, kids are on their screens, making them more vulnerable to online predators. Mm -hmm. You know, these are the things I'm thinking about. In fact, I would really like to do a podcast soon um, to talk about that. But with these new needs surfacing for so many survivors, victims out there, I wanted to bring a friend of ours into a conversation today. And this is a friend we've had actually on a recent podcast, one of our most popular podcasts, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Margaret Holzer, a two-time Olympic swimmer. Um, Her podcast with us was called Just Keep Swimming. So if you'd like to check that out and hear more of her story, she is fun and funny and an amazing advocate and survivor and voice. So thanks, Margaret, for joining us from the Pacific North us today. Yeah, good to be here. <laughs> good. How are you? How are your cats? I'm good. I'm good. She's sitting in my lap right now. You okay. probably saw her tail come wandering across. Okay, the yeah. Oh yeah, you just have one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you're not a cat lady yet. You're just not you're yet. Not yet. Okay. I'm not okay. going to say it's not going to happen, but so far just the one. <laughs> okay, yeah. Life goals. Well, a lot of people Oh, I feel like you're getting pets these days. I mean, I got a puppy, but that was in February just before this happened. I think God knew. God knew. And now Mary's thinking about getting one. Everyone's getting pets. So you'll probably end up with maybe a baker's dozen or something by the end. Yeah, you know, I'd I'd be all right with that. (laughs) (laughs) What's your cat's name? Tango. Tango. That's right. Yeah. All right. So y'all are holding up. Okay. That's good. Yeah. And yeah. you're working from home, I think, more probably. I am. Yeah. 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 So which I'm, is nice for somebody who likes to be at home. It, yes, it is. And I am, I am, she is with me at all times. So if I take mm. a shower, she literally like sits outside of the shower. So I'm, I'm Aww. really never alone, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when this thing lifts, I keep thinking about all the people who have, you know, they're home with the pets and the pets aren't used to this. I mean, oh, what yeah. are they going to do? They're going to yeah. like, cause their own pandemic like she's a very very social animal like way more than any other pet I've ever had so yeah yeah do you walk her do you walk her with a leash I don't I don't do that (laughs) I've seen that and I adore it I have a friend that does that actually (laughs) yeah we had a cat at one time and I did buy a leash and a little like one of those chest things you put on it to try to walk them and she wasn't having it (laughs) Cats aren't down for the things we. They don't want to be restrained. They're free animals. Cats cats run the world. Okay, so this whole episode's about cats. All right, cool. (laughs) Moving on. Airballs and cats. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. But no, I wanted to bring you on, Margaret, because a lot of this brings up things I know that are so close, near and dear to your heart. Um, Just the importance of supporting advocacy centers and, Mm -hmm. you know, hotlines and things like that. If you could talk a little bit about just the importance of us that have a focus on that right now and what that means to you. I mean, everything you said before was so true. Um, obviously, the the rates of incidences are, are going up, and we don't even know how much that is right now. So I think as this pandemic continues, the reports are going to continue going up. Um, eventually, I think when kids go back to school, we're going to see the numbers really go up, because that's when... Um, 
you know, the reporting will, I think we'll start seeing, I guess, more accurate numbers of what was actually happening when kids were at home. We get reports, you know, teachers, coaches, um, you know, those are our youth serving communities. So those are oftentimes where kids go to report and or these people see abuse that's going on in the home. So I think once things get a little bit back to normal, we're going to see a lot of these numbers, unfortunately, are going to be a lot higher. Um, and we're going to really start seeing how, I guess, how big and what was actually going on um, sort of during the pandemic. So I wouldn't be surprised to see those numbers um, kind of go up. Um, and then also kind of what's going on right now is, is, is you know, these advocacy centers are um, required services. Um, so these people are on the front lines and they are fighting and, and things might look a little bit different. So, you know, some of the therapy sessions might be on Zoom, you know, they might be electronic and not necessarily done in person. But, um, you know, different communities are, are still fighting and depending on what is happening in the states and you know, if your community's still at home versus starting to kind of venture out, um, these things are all still going on and, and these people still want to help. And, and there still are a lot of, of people, you know, wanting to, to help and fighting on the front lines. Yeah. And just, you know, supporting them now so that they have all that they need, all the resources they need to be prepared. It's like if we had known that this was coming, we could have done a lot better than just like stock up on toilet paper. But like for the advocacy centers, they can sort of, like you said, they can see what is about to happen. And if we can equip them, like we wish we Uh had been equipped, right? Like that's the way to go, especially for those of us who really do care and Usually those, that's the ones like us who've been through it before. We needed that advocacy center. We needed those advocates out there fighting for us and our voice and to keep us safe and protected. So, um, yeah, I think it's a really good idea to support our national hotline as well as the local advocacy centers in your own community, wherever you are at. So that's really good, Margaret. Thank you. Well, and, and, and you honestly, to your point, I think, historically, we have data from previous natural disasters, previous economic crashes, right? And mm-hmm. and that's where they kind of know, you know, that these numbers do go up. And mm-hmm. so we have a little bit of information. We don't necessarily know exactly what the numbers are going to be, um, but we have that information. And so I think people are trying to get kind of ready and say, yeah, when the kids go back to school, we have an idea that numbers are going to go up. Maybe we don't know how high, <laughs> right. which is unfortunate, but we know sort of what's coming. Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And I think another point to this podcast is thinking about those who are at home, who are more concerned than ever about being in close quarters with an abuser. They're not ready to make that report yet. They may feel like they have nowhere else to go. They have to figure out just survival, right, from day to day. And I think it's difficult for many to ask for help when we're in the middle of this because – you know, abusers are really good at like surveillancing their victims, right? Yes. Um, and so it can almost just feel like, let me just, I mean, I can remember that feeling as a kid. I just got to get through this until like a certain age and then I'm out of here, right? Yeah. I can, I can set myself in the shoes of someone who's, you know, a victim of intimate partner violence living at home right now, um, thinking the same thing, right? we're just going to get through and as hard as that feels as isolating and, and, and and just dark that that feels, but to just say that to yourself. And so I want to just give a few tips, honestly, to those who might be in that situation, just some strategies um, to consider if, you know, if you're listening today and that's you and I just would like to 
first of all, let you know that you're not alone and that mm-hmm. as hard as it feels right now, um, that there are people that can help you or even just be a listening ear to find those people out there. And especially those hotlines, you know, those are safe, non-judgmental, confidential places as I hope all of us as friends could be to not immediately um, take you out of a situation that you're not ready to get out of, but just to be a safe place for you to land, to talk about where you're at. Um, But, you know, I would start by making a list of supportive people to have regular check-ins with, you know, whether on the phone or video or whatever. I heard just yesterday, um, the New York Coalition for Behavioral Health created this Strive for Five challenge, which I really liked. My state of Ohio um, actually adopted that and began to put that out on Twitter um, recently. So it's just basically pick five people and check in with them every day for the next 30 days. It's just for connection, for comfort, um, I thought that was really good. Strive for five. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. For everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I was like, I can do that. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, we've always been talking about taking breaks, getting outside. That kind of thing is really healthy for all of us, but especially if you've been cooped up with someone who um, makes you feel really small inside your house to get out and realize the world's a lot bigger than that person in that situation. Um, I also read about just considering places in your home that are easy to get in and out of during conflict, even for some, maybe sleeping in more public places like your living room, um, maybe placing something noisy on your bedroom door, things like that, or maybe some ideas. Um, and then creating a code word to share with support people or even your kids that indicates you're in need of immediate help or, um, just something that essentially means like get out or I need help. Um, some of you know, some of you who follow us on uh, social media, I know that the nonprofit that Mary and I run called One Voice for Freedom that reaches out to those who've been trafficked or those who are still stuck in human trafficking. Um, I've been doing a weekly outreach to homeless and trafficked women in our city of Columbus, Ohio. And um, just last week during the outreach, so we bring out meals, we're feeding 100 to 150 each week and um, just meeting basic needs right now for those who are vulnerable during this um, during this virus. But there was one woman who came up to me to get a meal and she had her fist raised up in the air like the whole time. Like she's in line to come get a meal from me. And I was like, well, this is pretty awkward. And she just like kept it up there. And I was like, it just hit me something so hard. Like this is a cry for help. I don't know what she's doing, but this is some sort of signal. And so I just, she was with her dude and he was behind her. And I just started asking a million questions. Like, you know, I'm pinning him down. Like you treat her right. You know, all the questions that I kind of do, especially to, you know, guys. And, um, and then to her, like, are you okay? And I was just being sarcastic at first. Like, is your arm all right? (laughs) Like stuff like that. But you know, I could tell like the way she was looking at me was, was deeper. And so she got a phone number if she needed. Um, but I didn't really have any other resources for her at the time and she didn't end up saying anything, but she kept her arm up the whole time, even after she got the back meal. And so I don't know. Um, I ended up just yesterday happening upon a website that, 
talked about a signal that's being put out right now for those who are on video chat to signal that they need help without leaving a digital trace is to put your hand as a fist up during your video call. And that is now this a sign for people in this day and age that like I actually need some help without again, leaving a digital trace. So I don't know if this woman knew what she was doing or not, but I, I'm actually going back out today um, with a hundred meals again. And so I'm hoping that I'll see her, um, but she does have a phone number either way. But anyways, that's a long story to say code words or signals are really good. And um, this new thing that, that they put out um, as far as on a video call, to be able to say you need help. So that's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Making an escape bag is another one, you know, just something that you can tuck away, having a, an excuse prepared of maybe plausible reasons you could use for leaving a house in case you need to get away quickly. And um, at the end of the podcast, Mary's going to share some of those hotlines as well. But I think one of the biggest things too is for all of us, is just to be gentle on yourself, you know, to remind ourselves mm-hmm. that we're doing the best we can right now. And, you know, there's no judgment if you feel like you can't leave yet. There's no judgment if you do leave. You know, it's it's everybody's doing the best they can right now, and we've all got to just be there for each other and support yeah. the decisions that we are making for ourselves right now. And I think it's important too, even for me, as I've been doing this, is going to counseling every week in the midst of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether you do, uh, you know, a teleconference where you can find somewhere safe to be able to do that, um, if you are living with someone who is harming you, who is abusing you, who is hurting you. Um, but a lot of counselors are still open and allowing you to come into their office. So that's an option too. I had to go in last week and sit in the lobby with a mask on and I'll wear 20 masks if you ask me to, because I know that I have to take care of me. Um, yeah. cause I think it's easy to blow that option off because we can't leave, but there are scenarios and there are people out there who are able to help you right now. So just giving yourself permission to make that phone call to find someone to help you get those resources is crucial, even though I know it's hard right now. Yeah. And there's a lot of new, you know, virtual therapy going on and opening up now too. It's worth just looking it up, right? Just finding what's out there. It is such a hard first step for those who have never started therapy. Um, And I think it probably would be even harder. Have you never started and now you're going to start during a worldwide pandemic? (laughs) I mean, I say, why not now? (laughs) Well, because I'm like, that's a great person. Who knows what's going to happen to this world as this thing, you know, continues to up and down and numbers. I just, I got to a point in my life and it was, was like 10 years ago where I just didn't have the energy to do it anymore the way I had been doing life. And maybe you find yourself in that place now and it is the scariest, but the most healing experience you will ever go through. Just, just my two cents. And I I think it's, it's just something that you, you owe to yourself and you deserve it too. I completely agree with that. I had been telling myself for probably three or four years, like, oh, I should do this. I should get around to it. And I just didn't because I didn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. And I had like this literally one thing happen. And I was like, oh yeah, I need to go to therapy. Like mm. this is not a normal reaction. And then I, I literally like the next day made a phone call and, and went and, and it was, it was really hard in the beginning because it's, 
you know, it's like, it's, it's like a wound and you're reopening that wound. Mm -hmm. And right in the beginning, it's really painful because you're kind of going back and you're revisiting things that you don't necessarily think about on a daily basis or you don't necessarily want to talk about it. But then after you start going through a bit of that painful process, the ultimate result is that it heals, you know, I mean, or another analogy is, is you're, you're resetting the bone so that it heals properly. And yes. so jagged, <laughs> being like maybe your bone healed the first time, but it was like all crooked and you know, <laughs> yeah. not the way it was supposed to be. So it's healing properly. Yeah. I was, I was just looking for a text message from somebody who had texted me just recently and said, this was something that she wanted us to talk about specifically on the podcast sometime was just the importance of starting, just starting it, just trying it. And, um, and then having people in your life that will tell you that it's worth it. And that's the thing. Like so many times it's like, Oh, I don't want to go. Do I really get anything out of it? But sometimes it's like, okay, I'm going to get one thing from this and it's so worth it. Like, why wouldn't you just, you know, put in the time? This is for you and this is for, you know, clarity and for just hope and yeah. And also what are you doing right now? I mean, the Mm -hmm. world has been shut down on many levels and I get that, you know, I'm working from home. Uh, Margaret, you are, Nicole, you are, I understand that some things still continue, but I think for all of us, there are little windows of time that weren't there before. Um, you're not going to Target to go shopping. You're not meeting up at Starbucks. There, yeah. there is time that you can carve out to do something for you. So mm-hmm. I'm going to guilt you into just making the phone call because you have the time. And if mm-hmm. it's important and it matters, you've got to make it happen. To that point too, you can talk about anything. Like yeah. it doesn't only have to be about your abuse. Like when I was there, I would bitch about like my swim coach because I was swimming <laughs> still at the yeah. time, right? Or like if you're in a relationship, you can talk about how you're mad at your partner because they just pissed you off because they didn't clean the dishes, right? Like yeah. you can talk about the things that you're actually there for, but mm-hmm. then you can also just complain about the everyday little annoyances. Like I was in traffic this morning on my way here, you know, I mean, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's nice because you can talk about the other things. And I didn't think about that going into it. Like I was like, Oh, I'm here for the reason. And this is the big thing. And and yes, that is what we talked about the bulk of the time. Yeah. But then I found myself also talking about like the little things. And I was like, wow, this is, this is helpful also like just getting this little, cause, cause you, I think sometimes with your friends, you feel like you're just complaining, you know, about, yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm paying this other person. I don't feel bad. They're, you know, this is their job. <laughs> I know that's right. Yes. Like I'm paying you to listen to this. Like, right. Exactly. And I'm directing this. So I am the star of this hour long Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I, I never felt bad about that. <laughs> that's good. That's good. I think it's good to just to know the expectations of the process, you know, mm-hmm. for those who've never started and they're going to start now. And I do hope you do. Um, thinking about how it's going to go. It's like the first time it's just a get to know you. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to get much out of it at all. And it's going to be like, um, tell me why you're here. You know, those kinds of things. And again, like you can waste all the time you want on some stupid you know, thing that you're going through has nothing to do with your abuse, but eventually you will get to that point where you get there and you're going to get there on your own time at your own pace. And if you're not, you're not at your own pace, get out, find another counselor. Like, 
you know, you are, again, you're the star of this sitcom, this hour long sitcom (laughs) every week. Like you get to choose how it's going to go. And if you don't feel comfortable, you find another one and that's okay. That's normal. And good therapists expect that. And they want that. They want Mm -hmm. it to be a good fit. Um, yeah. And there's a ton of different therapists out there. There's, there's men, men, there's women, there's different therapy styles, mm -hmm. right? Like just like your friends, like you're going to have, you want it to be a good fit. And so you want to find the right person. And if it, if it's not clicking, try someone else, like they're not going to be offended. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's not, it is a personal relationship, but it's not a personal relationship. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, you want to make sure that you have that fit and it feels right because if it doesn't, you're not going to get what you need out of it. Well, and I think also it goes along with seasons of life where 10 years ago when I was first just diving into my abuse at that time, my personality needed fast and get to the point and go really deep and make it painful. And I just wanted to get through it as quickly as possible where now I need a little bit slower and calmer and I need like nurturing, but it's just funny how you're still the same person on some level, but things are just different. And I love that those resources are out there for you. If you make that phone call and ask for help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's a great point. I think because you're right, you as a person change. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes your needs individually are going are gonna to change with what you're asking for. And honestly, I think as we're all kind of experiencing our own things and needing our own specific support, um, some of us like me, you know, the isolation and the stress can be super triggering. Uh, but then there's others like Mary and Margaret who are living their best lives. Like we're all different places, right? It's so funny to me. It's so funny. Mary and I are so alike in so many ways, but then there's certain ways that we're like direct opposites. <laughs> and like, you know, we've talked about this in the past, like this time you are living your best life. And I know Margaret, you are too. Like, yeah. You, and yeah. it's so funny that you guys are Mary and Margaret. You guys are like biblical. <laughs> over here Nicole not in the Bible I'm like struggling like crazy girl get on the train (laughs) oh you guys are funny but it's true I think you know Margaret you made a good point recently when we were talking just how you know it doesn't mean that everybody's really going through a hard time like some of us like you you know, you're, you've, you've got tools in your belt as a survivor. You've gone through healing in certain ways. And you're also, it's just your personality, right? That this time is maybe okay for you. It is. It's, it's interesting because I feel like I, I'm an introvert but I, I do a really good job of hiding that. So I'm, I'm sort of a, an introvert in like wolf's clothing, right? Like I have this like exterior, um, of being an extrovert. And so everyone thinks I'm an extrovert, but I'm, I'm not actually. And the people that know me really well know that, but the people that don't know me as well, which is, I guess the bulk of the world think I'm an extrovert. So they're like, wait, what? Um, so for me as an introvert, I always feel like we get picked on because, mm-hmm. you know, we're, I guess we're just not as loud or we're, I mean, I think we are a large part of the population, but just nobody talks about it because we're not as loud about it. But I feel like the media has just been like on overdrive about how hard this is for people and, and how everyone's just struggling and struggling to the point that I started feeling bad that I wasn't having as like difficult of a time as everybody. Yes. And I, I, I wrote a blog about it a couple of weeks ago. Cause I was like, is something wrong with me that I'm like not ready to slip my wrist or something? Like, I feel like I'm like a terrible person, you know? And, and it's not that I don't 
recognize how serious this is or that people are dying or, you know, all of these things. But I'm like, I am, I'm at home with my cat, which is what I choose to do on a Saturday night in my like regular life, you know, I'm being really productive. Like I'm attacking all of the like 30 boxes my mom sent me of of childhood crap, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's what your mom chose to do during this pandemic is empty out her garage. Yeah. I like, I started writing a book. I mean, I'm like doing these things that I don't normally have time to do. And and again, like I don't have kids. So I realize that Mm -hmm. there's a lot of of circumstances that are going to be very different for a lot of people. Um, but I think for me, I've been able to kind of take a step back and, and I think the biggest part of it is, is mostly just being an introvert. Um, but mostly I just wanted to say like, if, if you're not struggling, you're not a bad person. Like, right. It's okay. Cause I, I, again, like I know I had a couple conversations with my mom and with a couple friends of mine and I was like, is something wrong with me that like, I'm not struggling more. Mm. So yeah. 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 And that all of our feelings are valid, right? No matter where you're at on the spectrum. I, I think that's really great. And, you know, for some, I celebrate the fact that, you know, they're able to create right now and to be able to come up with new, new things that are going to be launched when this is opened up. And then I also grieve the fact that I've had a book sitting inside of my bones for months now, and this would be a great time to write it. And I can't because I have... Yeah three monkeys living in my house along with my new puppy. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, it, and it's just hard. I'm tired and, and yeah. every day is something different for me. So yeah. And being okay with that, you know, because I've my whole life been a perfectionist mm-hmm. and I always want to put out the best stuff ever and all the time. And I think part of this for me has been, recognizing that I'm not perfect and recognizing that I can't do absolutely everything that I put my mind to because sometimes my mind has great ideas, but my feelings and my emotions and, and just my physical state is not worth it. You know, I might need to go to bed early tonight. When I write, I get up at 3 a.m. and I write every night. I'm not getting up at 3 a.m. right now. (laughs) That would be really bad for me and my whole household. I love that you, know? you say that. I love that you say that because I also like writing in the middle of the night. I don't get mm-hmm. up at 3 a.m., but mm-hmm. I'm a night owl naturally. And so mm-hmm. I do most of my writing. I'll start at like 11 or midnight. And a lot of times I'll write until 3, 4, 5 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go to bed and sleep until 1. Yes. And I can do that right now because I'm working from home. And it, right. for the most part, it doesn't matter when I start. I mean, occasionally I'll have to get up early and be on a phone call or something. But as long as I'm getting things done, like I don't technically have the same like deadlines, you know, time-wise. Right. But, but I like, I don't know, there's something about writing in the middle of the night when it's quiet and yeah. like, you Absolutely. know. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. And I'm glad that you have that. And I'm glad, you know, since I'm not doing it that you are. So, and that's where it's like, we have to, and I said, I'm grieving where I'm at, but I'm not really, I think it's more just being accepting and being mature and grown up about it. And at the same time, celebrating those who are able to do that right now. And I'm really grateful that you are, you know, so not judging ourselves, not judging others, but celebrating where everyone's at, where everyone's learning. I saw a meme actually of this week. I was dying laughing. It said like, 
2020 doesn't count like in our age, like, cause we, I'm not doing anything with it. <laughs> and I thought that is so true because I'm turning 40 this year and it doesn't count. So I'm 39 for another year. Thank you. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I love it. Yeah. So I guess no matter where you're at really on the spectrum of this time that we've never been in in our lives, um, no matter what, it's a time I think of showing empathy, of showing kindness mm-hmm. to each other. And that is where we can come out of this better than we went in, right? If we learn that piece, um, even if it's challenging for you as a survivor, um, you can still be a powerful source of support for others out there just by listening. I think listening is such an important, valuable tool that we all have. And I think survivors especially know the power of a good listener, Mm -hmm. someone who doesn't have all the answers, someone who isn't going to now tell you their story that's better than yours or worse than yours, or (laughs) they know the right, you know, thing that you should eat the natural remedy for whatever the problem is that you've brought them. You know what I mean? Like all those things. Laughing because we all know that person. We (laughs) all know that person that tries to one up you and you're like, it's not a competition, dude. Like really? (laughs) It's, It's not a good look. And in fact, now you're now on the list of people who I won't tell my stories to, mm, you know, yeah, or talk to you ever again. I'm like, come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So if yeah. we can use the tools that we have learned um, from the, the good listeners in our life and now apply them to people who might need us, I think that that is one of the best things that we can be doing during this time. Being someone that can be there for others, whether it's virtually a text message, whatever, just a safe place for someone's story to land um, can release a lot of people that are feeling silenced, that are feeling alone right now. Um, And just, you know, we can support survivors no matter where we're at. That's what the great thing about listening is, is, you know, that whatever I just shared earlier, the strife for five, you know, Mm-hmm. Being there, someone that can be there for you day in and day out becomes a safe place, become, becomes someone that's trusted because they're thinking about you, they're caring about you, and they're just willing to listen about how your day is going. And I think over time, um, as I have people in my life that check in on me, it makes me feel like over time I'm able to share a little bit more, a little bit more. And maybe for some people in your circles, that might eventually mean a survivor sharing their story, disclosing their abuse for the first time. Yeah. And that, that we can just be there and, you know, thank them, treasure the fact that they trusted you, ask how you can help. Don't offer your own solutions. Ask, how do you want me to help you? How do you want me to be here for you right now? Um, I think a lot of times survivors are fixers and we know what we need to do. We knew, we know how to fix this situation. So I'm going to offer all those ideas to you, but no, maybe I don't want your help that way. So ask the person, how would you like me to help you? How would you like me to be here? Would you like me to just listen or would you like me to do da 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 mm-hmm. and let them tell you? And obviously, you know, the no judgment thing, no shame is really important for people right now. And just to continue to stay there, walk it out with them. And we're not there with them um, in person, but we can be there virtually. I think that is a really great opportunity um, to take the pressure off and to just be a good listening ear. Absolutely. So survivors, reach out, talk, tell somebody how you're feeling. Um, and then survivors also listen. Listen um, 
it's an honor to hold space for others, especially other survivors. So I think just allow yourself to soak in the sacredness of this time just to practice holding the stories of other survivors, caring for their hearts, the truth of those who are willing to trust you and to share how they're doing day to day. It's really, it really is an honor to be able to walk with other people during this time and to look at it as such, um, because those are the conversations that matter. And those are the conversations that you'll carry out of this thing like gold. And you'll be really grateful that you took the time to do it. Thanks, Margaret. Thanks for joining yeah. us today. Thank yeah, you, Mary, awesome. for always being here. And yep, we're always just, um, I don't know what I'm going to say at the end of this. So I'll just <laughs> end it before I said that. Thank you for being here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. The National Sexual Assault Hotline is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 800-656-HOPE or online at rain with two ends.org. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is 800-799-7233. And if you'd like to help victims of sex trafficking affected by COVID-19, you can support the One Voice for Freedom outreaches Nicole mentioned by donating at this website, onevoiceforfreedom.org. That's one voice, the number four, freedom.org. Thank you for everything you're doing to stay healthy and to help other survivors. And thank you for being a part of this compassionate, caring community. Don't forget to follow One Voice on Facebook. It's all one word, One Voice. And share our podcast with friends who could really use some hope today. We're all in this together.